Welcome to the Love Letters Profiles podcast. I'm Barbara Farraher. And I'm Mike Farraher. We started Love Letters Profiles to help our clients write love letters to themselves. Because whether you're writing a dating profile to find the love of your life, or you're upgrading your LinkedIn profile to plot that next big career move, it starts with having the confidence to go for something bigger. Go for something you always deserved, but didn't think was in reach. Our Love Letters podcast is an extension of that. We'll speak to coaches, matchmakers, authors, titans of business, and other cool people who are living their best life right now, regardless of the circumstances. We look forward to learning from them and hope you will as well. Let's Let's dive dive in. All right, we're taking Love Letters profiles on the road right now. We are at the brainchild of the Adapting Social digital media organization to talk to CEO and founder. I just want to have you, first of all, introduce yourself, John, to yeah. who you are and what your, uh, what your role is at Adapting Social and what Adapting Social is, and also the proper spelling of your last name as a New Jersey transit train drives by, <laughs> which is the perfect time for this. Yeah, literally, it always does. <laughs> and I love it. Um, so yeah, so first off, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say, introducing myself, you know, I started Adapting Social when I was 17. Um, so, you know, I was still in high school trying to figure out my way. My family had some financial issues. So with their home regarding that. And so I, being the oldest of five, felt compelled to figure out what the hell can I do to help my family when I'm working at Ruby Tuesdays as a busboy. Uh, I worked at Best Buy at Odd Job as well as uh, I was a lifeguard during the summertime. So all these jobs that I had, obviously they weren't all in unison, but like during the summer I would do all three, on the winter I would do the two. Um, and that wasn't enough to help my family. So I was Googling what the hell I can do to start my company, or to actually start something that I could, actually it wasn't to start a company, it was actually initially to get a job somewhere, getting paid at least 50 to 70K of some sorts, um, and, uh, and not have a college degree, because I didn't, I was still in high school. And so, what, uh, what came from it and how Adapting Social kind of developed was that part of, the, uh, part of the journey was I found, I stumbled upon website freelancer. And as I did that, I thought that was pretty cool and it seemed creative and you know, I could work on my own time. And I never even thought about starting my own company. It was mainly just what can I do without a college degree? So I saw website freelancer. I, st- I, I built my own website and then I went door to door in Brick, New Jersey over here. And uh, I went to all these shops and my first concept actually wasn't to build websites for people actually. That's the funny part that most people don't know. The first concept was I wanted to compete on a local level with Groupon and Living Social. So I went to door to door to every business in Brick, no joke, for like almost a full year. <laughs> and I would try to get them to come onto my website so they would pay me a small fee. instead Because what Living Social and Groupon did was they would have you pay and take a, a 50% of your profits. So they would have you discount your, your actual, let's just say like, this is the perfect customer. He was a limousine company. So it would be from Brick slash Point slash Tom's River to Atlantic City Airport or Newark Airport. He would charge typically about 200 bucks or something like that. When they came in, they, slight, they sliced that down to $100, right? But now you have to split that with Living Social or Groupon. So he gets 50 bucks, they get 50 bucks, everything you sell. So they diluted his price so much that he got so busy with this that he couldn't afford to pay the driver and gas. So when I heard that concept, I was like, oh my God, this is a business I could start. So he's my first customer. 
So I had all these businesses, they paid me 50 bucks a month. And then finally, like probably like two months in, one customer in Brick, who's still my customer, um, he asked me, he goes, can you build me a website? My website sucks. And so I was like, yeah, I said, but honestly, I go, Jay, I wouldn't even want to charge you. <laughs> I'm like a kid. I'm like, what do I even charge you? He's like, listen, last guy charged me a thousand bucks. If you could do it for like 500 bucks, you got the job. And I sat there, I was like, 500 bucks. <clears throat> I'm like, I'm balling. <laughs> <laughs> like $500 at once? $500. I'm going to go so, out and get a new suit. So, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, he wrote, so he wrote me a check. I'm going to have $450 change. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, he, so, he, uh, so he wrote me a check for 500 bucks. Yeah. And I remember going home and I was like, wow, like this is insane. Like this is so cool. Um, and from there, I was like, this is better than making 50 bucks. So then I started to develop Adapting Social out through just going to businesses and asking them about their websites now instead of just joining Bricktown Deals. Um, and this is in the earlier phases of at least, not the earliest, but the earlier phases of Google Ads. So back then it wasn't as competitive as it is because like there wasn't really, you know, back in 2008, 2009, there wasn't many people doing ad campaigns on Facebook. You know, Instagram was brand spanking new. Uh, it was like at its origin. Um, so a lot of these social media platforms weren't doing ads, businesses still weren't fully on them yet. It wasn't like a thing like that then. So one of the things that we did was, um, you know, I started to develop out websites and I started to say, Hey, you know, we're going to do email for you. And I started to do Google ads for adapting social. And because of how low the cost per clicks were all that stuff, cause nobody was really on it yet. I got so busy very quickly. And so I scaled the company in a matter of like a year to two years where I was able to help my family's financial situation in totality. And then from that point, I was like, wow, like this is still really cool. I like what I'm doing. And now this transitions to that question they asked me earlier. And why did I keep going? And why am I still doing what I'm doing at Adapting Social to this day? And it's because- I like this, by the way, because I don't have to ask any questions. Yeah. I'll just keep you talking. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, that's, that's, that's probably mostly my problem. Just let me know when I can come in with a question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. I'll give I'll give you a heads up. But no, um, keep going. Yeah, That's great. But um, well, let me stop. Yeah. So why are you doing it? <laughs> so so the whole thing is so once I actually like hit my first ever like financial goal and I was able to help my family, I stopped for a quick second and I was having fun doing what I was doing. Right. I liked the fact that I was young. I didn't have a college degree. I was still in high school. I was making money. In some cases, I was making more money than my friend's parents, which at the time, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then fast forward, that, that's what kept me going in the earlier phases in the beginning. So I went on another year. I was like, I'm having fun with this. This is cool. I love people. I'm a people person. But what has made me insanely obsessed with what I do is that I meet other entrepreneurs that are like me, that had some sort of crazy desperation, that had to crawl through the mud to get to where they are today. Um, and there's one specific story that literally ignites my fire every day that I wake up for the past 12 years. And that story is, in a very long story short, so there was a woman who, and I'm not going to say any names, but there was a woman who was essentially, she had four kids and a husband, married for 20 plus years. And one day she woke up and her husband left, left a note, and he said he was leaving her and the kids, and he just disappeared. She wasn't the financial provider. She was the stay-at-home mom. So she had no financial means, uh, lost her house, went under foreclosure, obviously couldn't afford, she was trying to get a job and couldn't get a job. She had no experience because for 20 years she didn't work. Um, and, uh, and the little jobs that she was trying to do were minimum wage, which still wouldn't pay the bills anyway. 
Um, so she was forced to move in with her sister in a small apartment, which is a two bedroom apartment. And her sister already had two kids. So she lived in the living room for two years of her sister's apartment with her, with her husband and her two kids. So when, as I'm hearing the story at the time, now at the time, I think I was like 20 years old. And as she's telling me the story, I was like crying because in my mind, and I was crying to her because literally in my mind, I was like, wow, this is what my future almost was for my family. Like, this is where I almost was. That I was like super, like, I can't have my family go in that situation, but she was in it. So for two years, she was insanely depressed. Um, you know, she had to, you know, move her kids out of the school they were in to a new place, location. And so her sister one day goes, listen, there's a gym down the block. It's retro fitness down the block. Start going to the gym. Just get yourself, you know, out of your own head and just start moving your body. I'll pay for the gym membership. Just go. So first day ever in the gym, she's sitting there and she's working out and she, she hears this guy who's, who's got a little weight on him and he's, he's working with a trainer and the trainer's like, listen, like, so what's your diet? And the guy's like, listen, I want to eat good, but good food don't ha- doesn't have flavor. And he's like, I am a flavor guy. So I grew up, my mom cooks that way. So she overheard him say that. So she turned around and she said, listen, she's like, you know, I overheard you. I don't want to interrupt your conversation, but she's like, I make healthy food with flavor though. And this guy happened to be a very successful investor, all this other stuff. He's like, make me a week's worth of meals. And if they're good, I'll pay you for your meals. She started to do it. Boom. Before you know it, a year later, she has her own house. She has her own business. She has employees. Her kids are, you know, back in their normal schools. So when I heard that and, and we were a part of like, when we met her, we were a part of helping her grow in that process. So for me, like business is very, like people say business is not personal, right? Business is just business. Don't take it personal. And some people may think that way, right? Maybe that's how some people operate and that's okay. How I operate is the complete, I can't curse on here probably, but the complete opposite. So for me, in that moment, what made me fall in love with my job and what I do and why I think I have the best job in the world is because I work with people like me every day. But they have different stories. They have different skin colors. They have different backgrounds. They have different everything. But they all have a reason in their why, why they get up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's why I keep doing what I do. Cool. Cool. You know, it's interesting about what you said. Like, I, I definitely wouldn't put myself into a... Like I came from nothing too, mm-hmm. um, but it was one of those things where I also had, you know, my mom and dad were together this whole time. Yep. So it was one of those things where um, we didn't have everything, but we wanted, we were, were wanted for nothing. Right. You know, my dad did like two jobs. My mom did two jobs. Correct. I Whatever had paper around at 11 years old. So, right, right. So it was just like, it was more like moving yourself from, you know, lower class to lower middle class right. to like... Kind of maybe sort of middle class. Scrubbing the bottom. Scrubbing the bottom, for <laughs> right. sure. So, but I don't have that like homeless experience. So yeah. I don't mean to put myself in this category. However, I think there's one thing that kind of relates to what you said, and that's it's around what brought you to us. Yep. And that was, you know, on June 26th to be exact, um, I lost my job and Barbara lost her mother to, to COVID right. on the same day. So we both had a tremendous loss right. to COVID on the same day. And I kind of remember sitting on the deck of our, you know, of our house with like two glasses of wine and we're like, dude, this was a shitty day. Right? <laughs> By any measure, that's a shitty day. Correct. And, and at that moment, we had this conversation, which was basically, we now have a choice 
that we can just write off the rest of the year mm-hmm. and say, this is just the worst year ever. Right. Or we could literally just say, all right, starting July 1st, we're going to create something. Right. And we're actually going to just, you know, like, like Jay-Z says, dirt off your shoulder. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just like... Get it off there. Power it on. Yes. And, and it was that, it's at that moment that people... You know, that you, and I was grateful for the wife I had and the partner I had because, you know, it would be totally acceptable for Barbara to have just crawled into a bar for the ball for the rest of the year and grieve her mother. Yeah. Nobody begrudge her of that. Of course. But what we both were of the same mindset is that this is an opportunity for, like, there's no, there's no other choice but for rebirth. Correct. Right. And that's our story. Yeah. So, you know, what would you, you know, what would, Let's talk a little bit about adapting social and then also the mindset that you talked about, like with that that customer, which is a great story. And that is, you know, what would you tell entrepreneurs that are like, oh, I don't know if I want to start a restaurant right now, a restaurant business right now with we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's all takeout or, you know, I've always had this dream to do X, but, oh, you know, there's that moment of doubt and fear. And I think obviously the Everybody, every human being has that. Right. But it's the moment that you push through it. Right. And actually take an action. Right. That on the other side of it, you could look back on that a year from now and go, man, am I glad I did that. Yeah. So what advice would you have to those people that are really kind of like this, that the yeah. doubt and the fear have them by the throat. Right. And, and, you know, there's economic realities and there's personal realities of people that have lost lives and livelihoods right in this last year that we've been in so you know that that person that thought oh it's just all this devastation but i think i want to start a business what would you tell those people and relative to adapting social what would be the first quick and easy suggestions you'd have to get the word out yeah yeah that was a very long question yeah. almost as long as your answers <laughs> listen don't tell my wife this; she'll agree with you um but first off i just want to i just want to i want to congratulate your mindset you and your wife like you know I, I think that was one of the biggest things that like got me super excited to work with you guys um because that was kind of our intro call right learning a little bit about that and and what happened this year for you both the same day and you know, I'm so sorry for, you know, your wife's loss and obviously your loss. Um, I'm actually excited for your journey, though, with your what happened to your career, because I think that you're somebody who built your way up to a place that most people can ever right in the corporate world. Um, but now you're going to apply it to your own life, which is really cool to see that. Right. And, yeah. and now you have your own journey. Um, so I, I want to congratulate your mindset because it's, it's cool to see that, because I think when you look at the fact that people can either look at life like, why me? I feel like you guys looked at why not me, and let's. Fucking I say that all forward. the time. Yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah. Like for the film stuff that I'm doing. Yep. It's like why not me? Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, so to answer your long question with a long, an- even longer, a longer answer. answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what I would say to people out there that is that are going through COVID and that are they're feeling strangled through it, I would say to them, I have we work with clients in 20 countries to different capacities, and the people that we work with. I've, I've heard so many stories over the past year. And one of the things I will tell you is I, I know people specifically actually down the block from here in Point Pleasant, this guy owns a very successful DJ company. Obviously this happened, so he pivoted. He opened up a candy store in Point Beach down the block. 
Oh, I Cadence. know that guy. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Correct. Yes. So, so with him, you know, that's the perfect In example. Jersey, we know everybody. Well, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's my cousin. No, that's kidding. my cousin. Yeah. So, but I, I would say that you're, you know, I, I'm a big Bob Proctor fan. I don't know if you know who Bob mm-hmm. is. Anybody listening in, check out Bob Proctor's. I like his old work better than his newer work. I liked when he was more aggressive. Um, but so in his old work that I watch all the time and listen and read all the time, he talks about the law of polarity, right? Where if there's an up, there's got to be a down. If there's a negative, there has to be a positive. No matter what the situation is, there has to be a positive. Even if it's as bad as somebody dying, right? There has to be a positive. Because in life, there's only law of polarity, right? There's one side and the other side. We can think small-mindedly and be like, this just sucks. But there's other ways to look at it. And I think that whoever's listening in and and, in a position like that, you have to look at what the lesson is. Because I think that that's what life is. We get kicked in the you-know-what sometimes, sometimes we get punched in the face, but it's how we react to it and what we do in the next steps. So what I would say to those people is dust your shoulders off, get up, and go do something about it. Because life, life is about the actions you take. It's not about the thoughts. And that's the problem. I know so many people who have the best ideas. The best ideas in the world. Better than my ideas. But the re- I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I was in all remedial classes growing up. I literally... I tell people all the time I graduated summer come lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> literally, you know, I have a high school degree. And I was in remedial classes. I'm not the smartest guy. But what I will do is I'll outwork anybody. And I will learn. I'll take the time to learn. If it takes me 100 times. So if I, if I kind of put a point to this then, um, you would say that there's a law of polarity. Yep. That like at the, at the down level, there will be a, a matching up level. Well, no. In, in your actual down level, forget about the, next, the next, state, next phase. When you're in the down level, there is a positive. You just have to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I was just going to say, so that's perfect. Thanks for the clarity. But... The speed by which you find that right. equals the speed in which you get out of that down area correct. as well. Correct. So, so for us as an example, it was just like, <laughs> I literally lost my job. You lost your mother. Right now in this moment, what can we create? Right. You know what I mean? And, and you know, we're still, I would say we're still, even though like, you know, six months into it, I right. can tell you that I am so grateful because I don't know if I would have let go of the corporate safety blanket of a regular paycheck and a bonus. Correct. I don't, I don't know if I ever would have let that go, but yet Correct. I had a million ideas of things I wanted to do. Correct. So looking back, I'm grateful that I got that ripped away from me because otherwise I wouldn't have let go of it. 100%. And my mother-in-law was also towards the end of her life. Um, there was a lot of care involved, so right. it's actually lifted a lot of burden and worry from my wife. So to your point... We're still very sad we lost her. Of course. I still have my moments. You know, I, I was telling somebody the other day, um, I actually haven't sat on my, in my desk in my home office in almost a year. Really? And that's because my daughter came in and she took my home office because she needs two computers to do her work. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So the other day, I went into my office and I sat down to take a, take a call and I brought my laptop in there. Yeah. And I got off the call and I looked around. Right. And I just started to cry. Wow. I just lost it. Right. And I looked around. I was like, I literally have not been in that office right. in almost a year because she's got her whole stuff laid out. Right. 
and I don't touch it. Right. And I, I went down to the basement. And I got a selfie light, and I got the like whole a, thing. <laughs> I got like the Zoom background. I put my office downstairs because she needed the room. But it really was like as as much as I'm still generating myself newly. Right. There's still like why did you have that reaction? You still have an active grief. So it's not to say that. And my wife will tell you she'll go into a Rite Aid and she'll see something like a bottle of Gold Bond medicated powder. Right. And she'll lose it because that's what her mother, you know. Oh, right. Use. Right. So there's still like, even though from the outside you're looking like, wow, you guys just pivoted beautifully. Right. That's not to say it's not without its messy points. Correct. At, at, you know, along the way. And it's right. again, in that moment, you could be with a grief, right. but you don't have to have the grief have you. I agree with that. And, you, you know, know and, I think and, it's and then also to pivot, right? To your point, to pivot to say, listen, this is you know, this is a down moment, a down day. Yeah. Um, and then what are what are some new actions you can take? Yeah, I think. And listen, let me be clear here. You know, it's so funny because one of the things too, speaking of like in my bio and stuff, the one thing that people most can identify about me, aside from my work ethic, is I always get categorized as insanely almost unrealistically positive in every situation. It doesn't matter what we're facing. So, but when, when I was starting to scale my team, right, and people would have bad days. I have, I have a lot of people that were on my team and the millennial slash Gen Z especially, they have a very realistic mindset. It's literal. It's not about big dreams or this, that. It's literal, like you be specific. And so when people, we'd go around the room and rate our days every day at the end of every day. On a scale of one to three, what was your day? One, it did not meet my expectations. I had a bad day. Two, it was an okay day. You know, met my expectations. I had a decent day. Three, I had a great day. Over exceeded my expectations. One to three. And when, for a solid probably four or five years, I would always say a three every day. Because it's like, listen, I learned today. I had a shit day, whatever. Then I had one of my managers come to me and have a real conversation with me and say, listen, you're making me feel bad about having a bad day. And like, I can't have a bad day. Like, it's not okay to have a bad day. And what I want to clarify here today, because as I've grown older and matured, the difference of what I'm saying with being ultra positive and there's a positive in everything is it's not the fact that you're not supposed to have a bad day. What you just said in your office was a beautiful feeling and it's a beautiful looking back at what happened that year because you were able to have those moments. You were able to meet your wife's mother and know who she is, right? That's a beautiful thing, right? So in those situations, I think one of the craziest things I've ever been in, which changed my mindset about death, for instance. So we work with an organization called Jake the Tank, right? So their, their son uh, died of cancer when he was seven years old, of brain cancer. Um, they're a beautiful family, you know, have been, they're, they, they're very charity driven, they've always been, you know, and then this happened to their son, right? So we've been a, we've been a big part of the organization with their website, all that stuff. And the first time I had them on, on, the, on my podcast is when we really dove deep, like kind of how we're talking here. And so I asked them the question you're asking me, but I said it in a different way. I framed it like, how did you, how are you doing and how are you dealing with this? And he looked at me and he said, listen, he said, we sat there and we said, we're either going to mourn a life or we're going to celebrate a life. That's the exact, that's the exact idea of what I'm talking about here. Mm. For me, yeah, of course, we're going to be sad. The person's not here. But, but, you know, F and A, that person was here. They were in our lives. F and A means fucking A. <laughs> I'm trying not to curse in your podcast. My podcast goes wild with curses. So, um, you know, but so I think... The we'll, big, we'll put the uh, PG yeah, rating okay, right now yes. into the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Just do the bleep out when and, I talk. And we'll be right back. 
These days, it's not just about a well-written resume. 94 of the top Fortune 100 companies use artificial intelligence, known as AI, to screen applicants. We call them robot eyes, and those eyes power Workday, Talio, and other AI HR platforms companies use to screen applicants. Having a well-written resume to upload with an online job application is no longer enough. You must know how to navigate past the robot eyes so that a human eye contacts you for the interview. Career Letters Profiles is our sister company, which focuses on professional branding, career profiles, and resume writing. We'll pack your resume chock full of the right keywords and active verbs, then format it to get past the cold robot eye. We love lifting people with words, giving them the confidence to go after that next level career move. Through our business writing services, we lift companies with words as well. Website copy, speech writing, pitch decks, LinkedIn landing pages. Words can connect you to the job you want, the people looking to partner with you, the investments you seek, and the clients who are out there looking for you. Put our words to work for you. Check us out at careerletters.com. Let's rejoin the conversation with John Vigero, CEO of Adapting Social. All right, we're back. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so with that said, I think that that's the thing I want to talk about because what you just said was beautiful, right? Because you, you're, you are very co- comfortable with having those emotions, right? Like not everybody is comfortable saying, you know, the other day I cried in my office, right? I'm totally comfortable saying that because I know that I've been through everything and back and I'm an honest, open guy. Not everybody will say that. No, like uh, some of my friends will never say, yeah, I cried because they're like, they're too masculine or they're too egotistical to feel like that sort of vulnerability. So the only thing I want to clarify when I say being ultra positive, there's a positive in your situation. Yes, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days that are, you know, like that day. Like, again, that day, of course, that was a bad day. That was, you know, those are two big things in your life. Um, But the speed of what you get out of that, what you said, everything's different. Everything's different. Everybody's different. Some people, they want to mourn. Like my wife, if she's pissed off or upset about something, she's very openly like, let me be pissed off and I'll get over it on my own time. Where I like to force myself out of that situation because I don't want to stay in that state. But it's up to us, obviously, to make that happen or not. Yeah. Um, so long-winded. I love that you just shared that, though, because I think that's beautiful. I found myself in situations like that recently. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, again, this life is so this life is so crazy. The people you meet, you know, the people who come and go, you know, it's it's a, it's a gift, right? It's yeah. a gift. We're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be the people. But again, Everybody, everybody has their time and things, and so we have to cherish that moment. So sure. So let me let me kind of pivot then. So the first thing, you know, we're talking. I'm assume, imagining somebody here listening to this is going to be, you know, starting their own business. Yeah. Um, so the first one is the mindset. You know, yep. and again, there's adversity out there. As much adversity there is in what's gone on this last two years, every adversity has an opportunity. Yep. There's also a mindset. There's a place of like, what are you going to do with the down day? Yes. And how quick can you, you know, put yourself into a place of power and action? So that's the mindset part of it. The second part of it, which is what, you know, I tell people all the time behind your back um, and to your face uh, that, 
you know, what we work on with Adapting Social as the social media and branding partner for Love Letters Profiles is you're actually doing the work with us and for us. And simultaneously, I'm buying myself an education about right. the social media and the digital process, right? Yeah. So, you know, I would say, and I have said to people that I've referred you to, you know, well, what do they do for you? And the number one thing I would say is they help me get found quicker mm -hmm. and they help me to generate revenue and do those things utilizing social media in the cheapest way possible. Right. That's how I'd probably say. Right you know, I'm grateful for the work you and your team has done. So that's what I would say when people are like, what do you use them for? Right. What would you say in terms of what is adapting social's value proposition? Yeah. Is it, was I close? Yeah, listen, I think you, I think you were. And you know, the, the beautiful part about it is that there, we work with so many different people, businesses, and I always hear different things. But one of the things that I think that recently impacted me the best. So, um, my client, my first client ever, um, I had a conversation. I have a dinner with him every year. My first client ever. I take him to dinner. We sit down. We talk about how he's doing, how we're doing. Because we work with him still, you know, at different capacities. But you know, I still I'm busy, so I'm not in the day to day with him like I used to be in the beginning, obviously. So, but one of the things that came up uh, last year before COVID, or the year before COVID, better, 2019, he said to me, he said, "Listen," he said, "You know," he's like, "I'll never forget the day you walked into my store. I had on a suit." <laughs> a suit walking into an audio electronics store um and he said you know i looked at you and he's like i wanted to give you an opportunity because you seem super hungry you seem like you you know were really motivated he's like i thought i was doing you a favor all these years but come to find out you know you've literally helped me skyrocket my business and what he said to me which touches me so deeply is that you know listen he's like we we generate revenue like he's like if I wasn't he's like if I didn't meet you he's like I don't know if I would still be in business he's an older guy doesn't do a lot of different things like he's he kind of sticks to what he knows but we put him on the map we have we have people coming to his website for the past twelve years on a regular basis because of SEO so he he has uh, he told me about eighty percent of his business comes from adapting social literally so for me it's 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 different for everybody but I always like to quantify it into two things I want to help people build their brands and create an actual name in the industry for them. And then secondly, generate revenue, right? Because at the end of the day, what is social media? What is a nice website? What is any of it if you're not making money from it, right, in business? And so because of the fact that the consumers in the same age validate credibility based off of those channels, you know, it's important that we have that there. So I'd say those two things, I did some it. I give you a team from my side and we wanna build your brand and generate revenue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I would say also there's a there's a great of uh, there's also some fun and some playfulness in the brand too that and also capitalizing on opportunity that I've really been tickled by in working with you guys like case in point. So we had a snowstorm a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and we did this thing for career letters, which is the resume part of our business and the professional branding part. And it was literally a. 10 second video of somebody walking in the snow and it said snow day equals resume day. <laughs> um, contact us now to, to, you know, whatever it said to boost your work on your resume today. Cause literally people were probably snow day at home mm -hmm. and 
we got like three or four people out of that that day. Yeah. You know, so it was like literally nine in the morning. Hey, it's snowing out. Talk to Bree and uh, who's our, our account person is like, can we do something around the snow day resume day? Like an hour later, it was up on our site. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, we had, you know, four leads, two of them ended up being customers. Right. So it's just, you know, I think that's an also, you know, the, the, the old media would have like, all right, the newspaper comes out <laughs> next week. Let's put an ad in, right. you know, right. uh, next week for Halloween mm-hmm. versus what we're able to do here is just an immediacy. Look out the window. It's a nice day today. Right. Look out the window. It's, it's snowing for 48 of the states out there right now, which that day it was. It was like, let's do a snow day kind of a, a vibe. So I, I think that's also really creative. It, well, it's, it's good. It's capitalizing on the now, right? And yeah. I think that that's the difference between, you know, then and now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So then, you know, and I, I want to paint this picture uh, that, by the way, we're like in, a, in an office right now. Or by a busy highway, which I'm sure is going into the bleeding into the microphone and whatnot. But there's a lot of motivational aspects, and a lot of motivational books in your office. I want to show you this. And I'm reading like uh, one of the things on the wall says, live a few years of your life like most won't. So you can live the rest of your life like most can't. Right. So if I was to put, you know, not that I want this to happen anytime soon, but on your tombstone or your own personal motto Mm -hmm. uh, with all these motivational things that you put in front of yourself and I'm assuming your team to keep yourself yourself psyched what would you say is your like you just read it that's it so when I was in my basement 17 I was googling um, what like I I don't know why I did it but I started googling motivational quotes so I, I wanted to print it out so I printed this out I found it on Google images I printed it out I put it above my ceiling, above my bed, my, my parents' basement. I put it next to the bathroom sink and I put it right in the unfinished basement of my office. And I had it everywhere. And the whole concept and why I loved it so much was because the thought of you have to struggle before you emerge was such a big deal for me because especially right now, you know, people, this is an instant gratifying world now. People want things they see people on Instagram being super successful. That's why everyone's depressed because why is this person driving this beautiful car and I'm stuck doing this? Or why does this person have all this money and I don't have anything? And it's like, for me, I, I feel blessed that I was born in a time that I was because I still, I'm a very old school guy. That's how I grew up. That's how my parents raised me. I'm an old school gentleman guy. And so when I saw that quote, you live a few years of your life like most people won't, which means uncomfortably out of your comfort zone. So you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. And to me, that's freedom and that's choice. Because that's what, that's what money does in this world, right? Yeah. Money only does two things. It gives you the freedom. Material shit doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. it's, it's, material is just, it's an okay thing to get you by the day. But your freedom is what actually gets it. So for me, that quote, I had it. And then so fast forward, when I hired my COO, Chris, um, he uh, also, who's an artist too, who's a graphic designer amongst other trades. And... I would always talk about that quote. So I had it stuck up in our, in our office in Red Bank when we were there. And one day I came in and he painted that for me. He's like, hey, you know, I know how much you love this. So this has been following us around now for six years. Oh, that's cool. So we've had that. That's, that's for, like, honestly, that's it. Like, that is priceless art to me. We'll yeah. pay anything for it. That's great. But as we've developed, so that's John's favorite quote of the world. 
This is the adapting social motto for the team. I'll read it. Together, let's build a company our parents will be proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, because at the end of the day, you have to think about this, right? So, so in my workings, like we work with a lot of, you know, companies that do, you know, and not a lot of them actually. We have, we have a small amount, but we have a lot of companies who are massive, right? And these few companies we work with, their mission statements are insane. And so, I took this away from another company um, called Next Jump, and they're in the city. And so they work with Samsung and all these crazy massive people, but through through an HR technology perspective, and. He talked to and the CEO, Charlie Kim, at his, uh, at his uh, big party that we were invited to because they're our client. Um, he talks about how the origin of us as humans is we wake up. Well, I'm sorry, we're born. And our goal is we learn from our parents. We always, wanna, we always want the approval from our parents. We want to make sure that our parents are proud of us. We're doing the right thing. So at the end of the day, you know, when you're working you know, you, and you get your first job after college or before college, you know, your parents are bragging about it or whatever, but the approval of your parents is one of the most important things on this planet to every human, right? Not everybody, but most of them. And so when he said this, I was like, wow, that hit me deep, right? Because that's why I did what I did. Yeah. A lot of people on my team too. So that's, this is a big representation of, you know, our mission and our core value, which is we want to, we want to do something that our, our, our parents could honestly say that they're proud for. So to read this quote again, and I would add something to it. So live a few years of your life like most won't, so you can live the rest of your life like most can't. I would actually add to that, uh, you know, I've always been a David Bowie fan of his music, okay. but I became obsessed with the man for his life mm-hmm. in the last year of his life. So he died of uh, cancer at the last year of his life. And in the last year of his life, he did perhaps his best album, Black Star. Mm. He did an amazing video, two vi- amazing video. And when I say video, I mean like nine month, mini mo- nine minute mini movies of his two songs. Right. And then the third thing he did was he fulfilled a, fulfilled a lifelong dream of making his songs into a musical called Lazarus. Mm. So he did those three things, his, one of his best albums, right. two nine-minute movies, mm. and a musical of his life in the last 18 months of his life when he knew he was dying. Right. So I really, you know, take that, quote and put the example of a David Bowie on there mm-hmm. where it's like you don't have infinite amount of time. Correct. So it's like hurry up. I would put hurry up <laughs> right. at the end of that quote. Right. Because it's later than you think. Correct. Do you know what I mean? So right. you know at the age that I am, I'm I'm you know older than you are. You know what are you uh you're thirty five? I'm fifty five. <laughs> I'll be fifty five <laughs> this year. But you know, this is you know, there's no accident that this happened at fifty five. So you know you have you're still young enough to uh, start over, correct? But you're you better hurry up if you're going to start over and, yeah. and have a reinvention. So I, I tell people all the time, especially as an author, you know, I've been doing these memoir writing classes uh, over Zoom, and I'm, you know, most of the people are ten or twenty years older than I am, and I'm right. like, it's later than you think, you know. Right. So I, I would put it's later than you think at the end of that, only because there's also a time. Uh, variant there as well Correct. that you think you have a lot of time to do things and you right. may not. Correct. Um, so I, I I I do think that there's there's that with velocity and you know it's interesting you said something you said a little earlier. Um, I've been doing a lot of consulting work, not only helping people with memoir writing because that's my I'm clear my life's work is to lift people with words. Yep. 
Love that. So that's whether or not I'm doing your dating profile, right. helping you get that new job with the career, or inspiring other writers to write. Mm -hmm. That's like lifting people with words is my mission statement. Right. So when people find out I'm a writer, I've been doing some book coaching, and I had this like fast talk in Miami bartender at, you know, I had a, did a Zoom call with him the other day and he was like, I'm so funny and my customers are so funny. And don't get me wrong, I want to do the hard work. Right. But I don't want to write. <laughs> and I was like, dude, the hard work is the writing. Correct. Like there's, I could go down, you know, South Beach there's no shortage of colorful characters oh and gosh. amazing bartenders. I've met a few of them. And more often than not in an Irish pub, right. I'm the funniest guy in the bar. Right. But the difference between funny Mike and funny John at the next bar stool is I took the time to do the hard work and write it. Correct. So it's like really putting in that hard work to write. Correct. Especially like to capture your, capture your voice. Um, it, it's really a matter of taking, you know, not only the mindset but then putting the specific action to get that result you're gonna do. Yeah. And then the third part of it, which is where adapting social comes in is, you know, most people would be scared away with like, okay, I wrote a book or I did this, but who's gonna publish it? How's it gonna go out there? I'm like, man, like it's the wild west right now. You could do, you could publish it yourself. 100%. And if you had a strong social media platform behind you, right. where you had enough likes about your book or you personally, you have 100,000 likes 10% of those people are going to buy a book. Mm -hmm. That's 10,000 books. Right. That's a bestseller. Correct. You know, so there's, it's a completely different way to go about not only publishing, but also for all areas of business, right. you know, so that if you, could if you could build a following online that will theoretically follow you in your business pursuits, you're continually building a built-in audience to grow your revenue. Right. And I think that's one of the things where simple hashtags, simple ats and all those other things everybody's on social media but to actually leverage social media and things like that are, are things in in the business that you've helped us with that we're really grateful for yeah thank you i appreciate yeah that. yeah no problem yeah, yeah. And, and again social following is currency now right like we work with different artists right like musicians we work with people who own a product-based company and if you want to get a product-based company now into target or walmart or an actual shelf on a store they want to see you have a follower. They want to see you have a following base. Yeah. Unless it's unless it's a, a groundbreaking invention. And that just they look at that. That just happened to me. I, I I was in touch with a major literary agency in New York City. Yep. And they're like, we love your writing. We love your website. Right. How many followers do you have? And I said, like, I have 2,500. They said, right. that's good. Right. Come back to us when you have 100,000. That's yeah. what she said. 100%. And, you're, and, and I will put a book deal for somebody that comes to the table with 100,000 followers. 100%. Which is like 20, 10 years ago. Or I started writing 20 years ago. Ten, five years ago. Right. That's not the way book companies were putting no. book deals together. They were looking at the, the, the copy. Yeah. Like, this is a great, this is well-written. This is a well-written book. But now, because they, they know if you have a following... That people are going to buy that book. It's math. 100,000 followers. Let's say 5 to 10% are going to actually buy your book. Right. Then that means you're going to sell five to 10,000 copies. Less, less risky put, for them. We're going to put a book deal together assuming right. that you sell 10,000 books. Correct. It's simple mathematics and Correct. has almost nothing to do with the quality of the book. Yeah. No, and that's you know? the crazy so, part. And that's why, you know, I, again, I mean, when I say I, we've built this business together, mm -hmm. um, 
and I'm grateful that I have you as a partner. Yeah, me too, so, man. And I, I'm just grateful that I'm working with somebody that has the tenacity that you do. You know, you and, and Barbara, like you guys, again, your energies, your spirits towards what you're doing here and your passion. I think that it makes it makes our job so much easier because it's like it's different when somebody's not willing to get on camera. Right. And talk about what they do because they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Like you guys are willing to do whatever it takes. And I think that's the difference. And that's that's what makes it so fun. Cool. All right. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate Thank it. You. John Vigrero from Adapting Social, uh, the engine, the social media engine behind Love Letters Profiles and this podcast. Like and subscribe. You know the drill. Thank you for listening to the Love Letters podcast. Our aim is to lift people with words with our dating and career profiles we create. And we hope these words in this podcast lifted you as well. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell friends about it. You can also like us on our Facebook and Instagram on Love Letters Profiles. To visit our website, check out loveletterspropiles.com.